With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What up? And it is April the 2nd. So by the time that this is uh, launched, Youth Weekend in Kentucky will have been completed. Uh, Hope you had some successes for any kids listening or parents taking their kids out. Also, uh, for those of you that celebrate it, happy Easter and hope your weekend was good. It looked like uh, weather is supposed to be decent, but, you know, we live in the Ohio River Valley, so <laughs> it can change to whatever it wants, um, when it wants. But um, we are, it's just us today. We don't have a guest and we're remote again. But the thing that we discussed last time is we wanted to talk about with um, turkey season upon us and having a lot of people get out on the water and into the woods there is something that probably needs to be discussed because we've discussed this about first time hunters, maybe not knowing some stuff. And I know there's a couple guys listening who are first time hunters. Um, public land etiquette. We decided that we're also going to throw in private land etiquette because that's really important for you keeping your private land and public water etiquette as well, because you're going to get into the warmer weather here before too terribly long, which means that not only uh, will fishermen be on the water but so will jet skiers skiers wake boats and everything else under the sun so this is a topic that chris and i have discussed you know individually you know a number of times and even guys who are seasoned hunters who we've had on here you know discuss public land etiquette and ethics with us so we will we'll get to the story kind of about it Chris was wanting to discuss last week um, when we when we did the wild turkey episode, but um, I'm going to let you kick this one off uh, from kind of your perspective as being um, the newer person really to public land out of the mm-hmm. two of us and yeah. kind of having to learn some different things going along with it. So I'll, I'll let you take the reins on this one kind of starting out and just discuss, you know, in terms of, you know, what, you know, how you learned it, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, first things first. Um, I went turkey hunting during Ohio's youth season when it first came about, not to sound a thousand years old, <laughs> but um, I'm that guy now. So I went when I was, I want to say 16 and my uncle took me, um, over to East Fork and Mm -hmm. we actually got on a nice boss Tom and, um, me being a yardage judging pro, I thought it was too far and, uh, I don't think it was, we stepped it off. Uh, but anywho, 
I screwed that one up. So, um, <laughs> but we never had any issues then. But other than that, I didn't touch public land again. So think about this. That was the year 2000. No, mm. the year 2001. 2001. And um, I didn't touch public land again until 2017. Wow. Seriously? Seriously. Wow. Yes. I Now, when I say that, I had fished a couple of times at like Paint yeah. Creek or something at the spillway, but um, I had not haunted public land at all. Um, so in 2017, one of my very close friends, Matt Amron, who's been on here numerous times, um, he, he got into hunting with me in 2016 mm -hmm. and fell in love with it as we all do. And he decided he was going to hunt, uh, you know, over at East Fork and some other places. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I went through everything that every single public land hunter, especially like when you're talking about mobile hunters and guys yeah. who like to get away from people. Um, I went through everything that they go through, uh, where you learn how to walk a lot and, um, you think you're the only one, like you literally feel like it's just impossible that anybody yep. else was dumb enough to walk that far with a stand on their back. And then you see people. <laughs> so, uh, I've, I, I got into it a little bit and I saw some deer and was really proud of myself. But as some of our listeners might know, I, I prefer to target, you know, little bigger mature animals and, uh, doesn't always work out, but, um, it's just, you know, if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do it on public land too. So I had some yearlings and two-year-olds, but never did see anything, uh, that I was super excited to shoot. So, um, didn't get anything enter 2018 and literally my first public land animal uh was or excuse me no 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 no. i'm sorry i screwed that up okay. 2018 i killed my big 171 yeah incher and uh so i only went hunting a couple times on public for does mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then um so again, never killed a public land animal. Didn't see a lot of people though. And then we fast forward to 2019 and opening day of Kentucky season. I was fortunate enough to kill a public land piebald deer somehow. Yeah. I had like 17 angels with me that day, <laughs> that evening, not the morning. Yeah. I got hung up in some old <laughs> floor rows in the morning. <laughs> God was testing me. So, uh, didn't see many people again. And, uh, just that it really just kept being just like that. I didn't see many people. And when I did, I always gave way to people. Generally, if I saw somebody, mm -hmm. it was in a parking lot. And the first thing I did, and I don't even, I don't know if anybody taught me to do this or not, but I just felt compelled, you know, like I felt like I was the new guy at the spot mm -hmm. really is why. So I just walk up to him and say, Hey, I'm not trying to steal your spot, but could you give me an idea of where you're going 
so that I am nowhere near you. Right. Because I don't want to infringe on your hunt because I don't know if you're coming for the first time or if you're chasing a buck or a doe or whatever Mm -hmm. that you've been watching and I don't want to screw it up. So, um, and this is also, you know, as I just sort of told all the people that hunt public land nonchalantly, I pretty much knew nothing about hunting public land. I hunted private land, which meant the least amount of pressure you could get. And when you hunt public land, you learn to hunt pockets and find places where the deer go because they don't leave, but they just move around and go to different spots. So, um, turkey hunted with Pierce and Luke at an undisclosed location. And this was my second time turkey hunting Mm -hmm. public land. And it was the best gobbling I've ever heard while turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. And I killed a bird. Luke almost killed a bird. And then we went back the next morning and killed Luke's bird. And mm-hmm. I just thought, and never freaking saw, had the entire WMA to ourself. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, man, this public land stuff is awesome. There ain't people here. Idiots. What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> So, but we were, I think we went on like a Tuesday, the third week of the season. Exactly. So, which is money, by the way, uh, unless you're anybody else, don't go then. <laughs> uh, so then I was silly enough. We'll call it. I hope he listens to this. I was silly enough to drive. God only knows how long I think it's two and a half, three hours with Josh luck <laughs> to go hunt with Luke. And he's sending us all these videos of these birds gobbling and walking around like they've never been hunted before on this public land. And, you know, we looked at it and I'm like, this looks like a pretty nice place. Mm-hmm. And if you make it up there sometime, it is a very nice place. Yeah. And uh, so we get out. It's this is last year. It's 22 degrees when I get out of the car. We've just went somewhere in the neighborhood of three hours. I woke up at the butt crack of dawn to get there and I'm already not a morning person. Mm -hmm. So we get out of the car and I am freezing. So we go, Luke's got this certain spot he wants to hit, but we walk and we walk and we walk and then we go down this freaking hill that just, I mean, we just keep walking and keep walking and keep walking. I'm like, man, it's going to take way longer to get to the tippy top. Mm-hmm. And boy, did it. It was a, it was a long hill. Now, luckily it was like a big runway where they had cleared mm-hmm. the power line thicket. They had just mowed it all down and uh, we get up there and we're there for, I mean, we're there way before daylight doing just what we were going to do, what we did on opening day, listening for gobbles. Yeah. And, um, we're not hearing anything. And all of a sudden you, you know, the shades of light start getting brighter in the sky. And I just happened to look behind us the way we came and I see a flashlight. So I start shining a flashlight back, letting them know we're there. Well, the light turns into two lights and then, I mean, when I first see them, we're talking a thousand yards away and that's line of sight. That mm-hmm. doesn't count going down the hill and up it. So 
I mean, there are, there are many minutes from us. Mm -hmm. And so then all of us get out our lights and we're shining and, um, Luke's kind of like quiet and I didn't even notice it then until I think about it now, you know, but, uh, we're, (laughs) we're standing at the top of this hill and these people are trucking right at us. And I instantaneous, I I just, I'm pissed thinking about it now. (laughs) My blood starts to boil. And I thought, I can't imagine if I seen somebody that I would walk all the way to somebody when they're already there way before me. Yep. So we see him and I mean, they're, they are trucking up this hill. Well, the one dude was, the mm-hmm. other one was way behind. We won't tell all of these details. Cause like I talked about last week, I'm attempting to be a more polished man. <laughs> uh, at least here and there anyway, till, till I have my dream guest of, uh, Aaron Snyder on, then we're just going to cuss <laughs> the whole time. So this guy's walking up this hill and he gets up and he starts talking to Luke like he knows him. And then I figure out that he is, that he does know him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lost it. I was like, that's really awfully nice of you to walk all the way up here just to mess with our hunt when we shine lights at you the whole time. And then I find out that he told Luke about the spot or whatever. And Luke mm-hmm. had taken us there, mm-hmm. which is a no, no. Um, in my opinion, anyway, everybody is, you know, it, it's, it, um, it's a no, no. Like, so, like I, I, I was going to cover that later, but we'll get yeah. we'll that part later. So, um, and that, that's where, you know, I didn't find this out till towards the end and I pretty much didn't care at that point. But um, if I had to do it over again, I would probably still be angry because he doesn't know that that's Luke or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. he still came up there. So, um, and hunted right on top of where we were, but uh Long story short, come to find out the dude thinks he's a turkey guide and is just super disrespectful. Uh, you know, I I kind of lost my cool a little bit, and then he shined his flashlight in my eyes, and that's when it just hit the fan, and I was like, okay, you don't get your light out of my face. You're going to swallow it. And mm-hmm. he took the light out of my face, and because we're like three feet apart, four feet apart, something like oh, that. Oh, boy. And, and he just puts his light right in my face and like, who the F are you? And I'm like, you're going to find out if you don't take that light out of my damn face. So, uh, um, it was very, very frustrating to drive that far and have that happen. And then, um, we didn't hear a gobble until, I don't know, 1030, mm-hmm. something stupid. Uh, it, it might've been a little after that, maybe 10, uh, or before that. I mean, um, but it was late before we heard one and we chased it and weren't successful. But um, I was beside myself that somebody would think that because they put a blind up or a stand or whatever, that that's like their claimed spot. And I know everybody has their different views, but, and, and it is public land. You're free to do whatever you want. Correct. But 
I'm free. I'm going to cuss. I'm free to be an asshole and walk around your tree stand in circles all morning too. Like, but I wouldn't do that because well, I no. want to have a good time and I want you to have a good time. And so, so there's, there's two parts to that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, one, uh, you will get cited by a game warden doing that because that Hunter is Hunter harassment. harassment. Yeah. Um, it is a law. So that, that, that brings up a good point as to why we are also talking about this, because if you do remember correctly, those gentlemen that we ran into in, at the WMA on in Kentucky, yeah, um, they were set up. They had a decoy spread out. There's a bird gobbling and two guys. Oh, my God. Directly through. They shine their light and said, hey, guys, like got up and talked to them. They said, oh, yeah, we're just going over here. And they're like, like, well, we we're we're set we're set up here, and literally the property line we're for the WMA. Birds. We are set up on these birds, and those guys walked into the woods, um, jumped. The, I mean, the bird jumped down from the roost, and then they shot it. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, it was a it, it's a weird situation because the dude had a kid with him. So you don't want to flare up and sure. everything like that in front of the kid. And I think the guy did, a, you know, a good service like, like, hey, not cool, dude. And the guy's like, well, I don't do care. what I want. Yeah. So th- this, this is part of just basic etiquette when you are um, hunting public land is when you get to the trailhead or when you get to the uh, parking lot in the morning. I talked about this last week and Kentucky kind of does this is that there's a sign at like most WMAs in Kentucky where you mark, but generally when you get there, there's already, there's going to be four or five guys there turkey hunting. Just there is like down here. That's just the kind of the way that it is. Unless you find a really good WMA where that's not happening at. Um, And most everybody that I've ever ran into down here, always, we all look each other and say who got here first. And the guy who gets here first, you say, where are you hunting at? And you just kind of go around the circle and like, okay, so this is where we're all at. I've had one instance, um, two instances actually, uh, where I've ran into an issue with that down uh, in Kentucky. I don't believe I've ever had it happen in Ohio, but I had one instance where I got there and a guy said, I'm hunting here. I was like, that's great. Um, like, but you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hunting over here. He goes, why don't you go hunt over here? I'm like, that's not where I'm going to hunt. Sorry. And so we, we had all done what we were supposed to do. We started walking dude picks up his pace, gets in front of me and goes to the spot. And I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to not going to deal with this, with this guy. Uh, I don't want an accident to happen. Uh, we had that happen in Ohio. Was it two years ago where that uh, mm-hmm. guy in East Fork got shot? And there's shot he, the damn game warden. Didn't he shot it? the game warden. Like he shot the game warden. So I I had that happen. But then I've also had the, I've been on the other end of what you've talked what you just talked about was I went to the place where we heard all those birds last year, and I am walking all the way to um. The, the very, very back end of it. And all of a sudden I see a light kick on I'm like, okay. And then I see another light kick on and another light kick on. 
I'm like, okay, I need to figure this out because you know, as good as I do, once you started walking up that hill, there wasn't a whole lot of area like Mm-mm. to go. So I get up there and there's four guys like all up there. And I'm like, Hey guys, um, you all hunting this hillside. And they go, yeah, we like, I don't know how they were older gentlemen. They were there. It was like the last weekend of the season. They had slugged through the brush and everything. Like we're going to go, uh, we're going to hunt here. And I'm like, so does that mean you're going to the top of this hill or are you hunting down below? And they're like, we're going to the top of the hill. I'm like, okay. Um, <clears throat> which then led me to find a good area where I found birds roosting, just couldn't get them to come down onto, you know, the logging road that was there. Mm-hmm. So it can be a blessing in disguise, but the biggest thing that I would always say is, is like, make sure that you're checking with the other hunters and biggest thing is if someone's got a set already don't walk through it don't start problems that you don't want to have to deal with because it does only take one call to a game warden and them saying hey this dude is over here harassing us we were set up here first my blind is right there my set's right here and it could be the potential for a ticket now is that going to happen they might just say, no, you know, we'll let you off with a warning, but why run the risk? Not only you, that, but don't be an asshole. Well, that, like, that's the biggest thing. That, that's, that's bigger than any ticket or law or any, like, don't, don't be an asshole, man. Just if, if somebody is there already, if you've got a tree stand hung or, you know, you set up a blind there because mm-hmm. you want a turkey hunt there. Well, I'm sorry. You didn't, you didn't get there beforehand and it's really you know you're not the only one that's scouted that spot more than right. likely right and see but here's the thing and this can get sticky and and i i always have this issue now if i see a blind or a tree stand i'm going somewhere else i just am sure um i don't want to be on on top of it i had this happen uh two years ago did not see that a blind was set up i walked in in the dark i was the only car in the parking lot get to my spot set up start yelping and i start hearing like what i believe is a hen behind me and it's mimicking exactly what i'm doing i'm like this this like this is really good like this hen is only like 20 yards behind me so i keep hearing it i'm like this hen is out in an open field behind me i like i need to like sneak over there so i get snuck in i get hit in the brush and look over to my right and there's there's this hen i'm like oh my gosh it's right there and i'm like well there's no gobbler i'm sitting there staring at it and i'm like that's a decoy and i look over and here's this guy with his kid who must have came in behind me really quiet good for them but um they had a blind set up and they had everything set up and it's just kind of the way that it worked that morning yeah now i will say this it's a lot easier to do that kind of stuff and get on top of somebody else on smaller tracks of land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can remember you, you brought up, uh, Oh gosh, youth Turkey season in Ohio. So I took a trip with my dad and my brother. <clears throat> it is literally known as the most miserable trip we have ever been on. Oh man. Uh, but it was fun. I mean, I, I had a blast and I, I remember every bit of it. Uh, we went and hunted, Oh gosh, this has been what is this 2021? Yeah. So this would have been 
oh man, over 20 years ago. And we hunted Vinton County and it was pouring rain the entire time we had for breakfast. It was mountain warm Mountain Dew and Swiss rolls. So you got pumped full of sugar. Then you went out in the woods and you slugged around trying to find a bird. And I remember we got we were walking up a hill and had a bird pop up and we get set up. And uh, I shot and missed, and it w- it was like my first. It was my first ever like running gun setup for a turkey too. Dang. But again, that place was big enough where you're not going to run into anybody. Like we, you, you, <laughs> no. you, uh, we, like you got the trailhead and big you knew there's other out there. Woods. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's guys there. And Dad, where are you going? Okay, well we're headed in this direction, so don't worry about it. So the biggest biggest part that I think that Chris and I are trying to impart to everybody here is that if you see people. Like, don't be afraid to talk at the trailhead because you don't want to be the jerk that walks through someone else's set or ruins your hunt or someone else's hunt on top of that. Now, this is not to say, um, and and I am, is it is the proper term spot sniping? <laughs> is, is is that what it's called? I would I would call it like, I don't know. I mean, I. This, this is, and for everyone listening, there is no rule book for this kind of stuff. These are just things that I think that we have both learned over a period of time. But if you, but like everyone has a different way of looking at it. And with public spots, you'll have guys who will take those to their grave and never let you know where they shot something. Mm-hmm. Then you will have people who will say, okay, let's go to a place but you can't bring anyone else here. Right. And that's where the water gets murky for some guys. It's like, well, it's public land though. And we, you know, if you're taking me there, you're obviously wanting me to see the spot. And it's like, you know, it, it, it gets into a weird space. So my, my statement to everybody has always been, understand the agreement before you decide that you're going to go hunting with somebody about a place. Uh, I, I tell anybody that I go out hunting with uh, whether I've known them for five minutes or, you know, 500 years, like this is how, like, if I'm taking you to this place, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to, you know, like, like, I don't care if you come back here, um, but please let me know if you do that. That's always a big thing. Well, hell, even last year when mm-hmm. we took you to that spot in Kentucky, you exactly. literally said, is this a place you're okay with me coming back to? Yep. So, I mean, and, and that's the kind of stuff that you got to talk about yep. up front with your buddies and everything. And, um, and, and really, and, and the thing is to, whether you talk about it or not, the type of person that they are, whether they say they will or won't or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're not going to go back there and, <laughs> you know, like I don't right. have to worry about that. Um, there's other people that will, there w- yeah. they would, and, and they'd tell you they won't. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go and you know what I mean? Like yep. whether they agree to it, to your face or not. Um, they're just, it, there's people that are honorable and there's people that are not. Very, very true. And I think that that is important when you are getting a new hunter into uh, 
into wild spaces, especially when you are recruiting or you're reactivating or whatever. I I know Will gets unbelievably pissed at me when I talk about Lake Cumberland on here. I'm like, <laughs> dude, it's a, I'm like, I, I'm not hiding anything. Like everybody knows right. about it. Like right. li- literally one of, one of the things that I find funny now is, you know, they, there never used to be a tournament on that lake ever. Now FLW has a tour there. The college bass master series has a tour there. The um, big bass nation has a tour there. Like, like it, it, it gets hammered consistently and they're still turning out five pound smallmouth per bat. Like, like yeah. you're having, you're having an average five pound smallmouth there. And I think it's going to be better than Dale here, but you know, like before too terribly long. And I know that's sacrilege for some people who are listening to this, but sorry, like, I feel like Cumberland's a better smallmouth like at this point because yeah, Dale got hammered wait. for so long. But bigger part of this is is that I don't feel like that's a spot burn. That's what it is when when someone tells you a spot. There you go. Yeah, spot burn. Um, I don't feel like I'm spot burning there. Now, am I going to take you exactly to where I know the fish are? Um, if you're close to me, yeah. If <laughs> if I know if I know you can be keep your mouth shut, absolutely. <laughs> If I don't know you, I'm going to do everything in my power to not show you the background of where that fish was caught. Right. Um, what lure I was using. Um, yep. If you're nice enough, good, great, grand. Uh, when I caught that huge trout out of the river, no one asked where I caught it at. They all asked, what were you using? Every one of them. Tell them. Like, I'm not, I'm not right. going to tell you what I'm using for that. And especially like that huge striper my dad caught. Sorry, not not going to happen. Now, I'll tell you, like, this is like what we did, like, in in a sense, like, you know, caught it below the dam, like didn't catch it up in the lake. You know, I'm not going to burn. Yeah, I'm not going to burn specific spots. Exactly. A few miles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but but that but that's the thing is, like, when I tell people that, like, it's not a spot burn because that is a trophy fishery. Like you're gonna oh you're gonna have an opportunity at fish like that the entire time. Same as the lake, and we'll get, we'll get to like etiquette on the water here after a bit. But my point being is that, and I think you're the same way. If if you are going to a spot, make sure you establish ground rules before you go. Yeah, and if and like no offense, if you don't, that's on you as yep. the person taking them. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot get pissed at somebody if you take them to their favorite duck spot and you say, "Don't come back here," because guess what? They're gonna come back there if if they're like they'll say, well, "You didn't tell me I couldn't." Like there, right. there's if you you can sit there and say, "Well, it's implied," but if it's not said, it ain't heard. Like flat right. out, and I'll, always remember that. And I think that's an important rule uh, as people are getting out there and doing this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I think too, over the years I've learned, you know, you, when you, and and here's something to put into perspective for anybody that's listening right now and thinking we're like selfish because, because that perspective is there. I've heard that before too. Um, So think of it this way. Imagine if you went and you met a girl and you took her to dinner and you bought her drinks and you bought her flowers and you dated her. And then I just took her from you. Like <laughs> you did all the work. And then I got her. That's kind of how I look at it. I spent my time away from my family and my warm bed with my wife. Mm-hmm. I 
got up super early. I drove X amount of miles. I spent my gas money and mm-hmm. my leg work and wore my boot leather out to go find this spot and to put up trail cameras, batteries, cards, you name it, all that stuff, which never mind the ticks, poison ivy, all the stuff that you deal with mm-hmm. when scouting. And so when I put all that in, and lots of times when you find a honey hole, you don't find a honey hole this week because you no. just started going there. No. You develop honey holes. Mm-hmm. You find them over time and lots of work and lots of everything else. So when you're nice enough to take somebody to one of those, that's kind of like a bit, I mean, to me, it's a big deal. And, oh, and yeah, so, absolutely it is. um, and, and you're just trying me anyways, you're just trying to see a smile on somebody's face and show them a good time. Mm-hmm. So when that person takes it upon themselves to take it, and this, this goes for private land too. Um, leases, whatever, if you try Man, to outlease somebody or uh, and you wouldn't have known anything about it. Otherwise, uh, you know, if I take you to a, a private spot and you, which I've had happen, took a guy to a gorgeous spot in Hillsborough and guess who wasn't allowed to hunt there next year? Yep. This guy and guess who did. So that, that, that's one of those things where I have, I have very mixed feelings on that. Um, because like if you take somebody to a farm uh, that you get permission on and that you uh, are allowed to hunt and then that person, I've never had this happen to me. I should preface it that way. I have not had this happen to me. I know people that it has happened to though. And they go back to the farmer or somebody and they say, hey, um, I'll pay you more on the lease. Like at, at a certain level. That is extremely frustrating. I cannot blame the farmer or whomever because like it it is their property. If they want to lease it or whatever, that is one thing. Uh, As a person who uh, would never do that to another individual. Right. I would have a lot of problems looking that person in the face saying like, dude, um, what what's going on here? You literally like lease that out from underneath me and it happens to a lot of people and Mm -hmm. their thing is is like sorry i don't got anywhere else to hunt so i made myself a place to hunt and and there's a certain point part of me like i mean i get it at the same time though like my blood would be boiling and shooting out of my ears probably if that happened to me and it's tougher and tougher and tougher as you try to find spots to do that with where you know guys don't like talking about this stuff and and gals too uh men and women both they don't like (laughs) talking about this stuff because they're worried that their spots are going to get are going to get burned up yeah Um, and and i I don't blame them i mean there there is i don't either i mean we we have a a a pretty close-knit uh group of individuals that we talk to and we don't use certain wma names around even close groups of people yeah i mean I, like we, we uh, abbreviations um if i yep. if i take someone to some place like I, I took josh to those two um yeah. i took i took him to those two because one he's moving to kentucky he needs places to hunt he researched them himself and he asked me about them like i will take you there um i did not show him 
where I call them birds on one of those places. Right. Um, hope you're listening. But, um, mm. you know, like I told him, like, it's full of birds, but you got to figure out how to get on them. And, and, right. that, and that's it took me three years on that piece of property to figure that out. And like, if I take you there, I could show you. But that's the other end of it is like, you got to learn how to do it, too. Yeah, you're, you're, you got to learn some of this stuff completely over so that that brings up another kind of public land etiquette thing as well is um this weekend is opening uh is is kentucky uh turkey for kids you know there's a lot of places down here this weekend that are going to get hit they just are um it's I, I feel like it's different. Like if you're taking a kid, like if someone came to me and said, dude, you know, there's birds here. Do you think I can take like my kid there and like use the spot that you showed me? I, for whatever reason in my brain, I have a lot less of an issue with that than someone, some like Aww. someone the same age as me saying like, Hey man, can I go like, sit exactly where you sat and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like I, I just, I have a, I have a different feeling about that. And I, I think that there's, I don't know if it's my own personal hierarchy in my head, but I feel like that's a more warranted thing because you're trying to bring someone else new into the fold. But I say that as well. And there's 25 and 30 year old hunters that are just starting to come in and it, it's like you have this weird push and pull of it. And it's like, is it only because it's a kid um, and you think that a grown man or grown woman should have to figure it out on their own? But then you think well, they don't know any better than that kid does in a lot of ways. I agree, man. I've got a guy that uh, Brock Lush, he's dying to get into the woods. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, I just, you know, you lose track of time. And before you know it, yep. you're like, oh. We missed the season, but uh, I'm going to make it a point this year to get him out. And I'm not, I'm not going to take him to a single one of my spots. Mm-mm. We're going to go somewhere and I'm going to show him what I know. And he's going to learn because yep. he's a big boy. He's a, I think he might be like a year older than me or something. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, but I mean, he's a man. So uh, you got to go through the learning stage, as you said. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, with a kid, you gotta, you gotta teach them. And, and really the whole point is to hook them. Yeah. They're the only way you're going to hook most children, especially super young ones is if they get in on some action and, mm-hmm. you know, get a shot mm-hmm. or something like that. If they go out and don't see anything, they're not going to come back talking about the sunshine and the woods waking up exactly. like you do when you're older. Exactly. So uh, I'm going to get him out and get him accustomed to getting up in a tree and, uh, you know, get him shooting more and all that. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Exactly. So that, that leads me into another thing, like in terms of just like basic etiquette for the property that you're going to be hunting, um, especially public stuff, uh, Make sure that when you're going to a place that you're following all the rules for that particular place, there's lots of different 
jurisdictions and that kind of stuff with regards to public places at the state level and at the federal level. So in Kentucky, we have Daniel Boone National Forest, which takes up a very large part of the southern part of the state. And then you have a lot of WMAs. And like you can camp in Daniel Boone National Forest, but you can't camp on some of the WMAs. You can use certain things on the WMAs and you can't use other places. So it's important as an individual etiquette wise to know what you're doing before you go to a place and to always just check with the game warden or check the regs or whatever before you go in somewhere so you're not like walking in completely ignorant to a situation and you don't run into a situation where you get a guy who's been sitting there for i don't know three years waiting for a turkey to gobble and then you walk in and he's like who the hell are you um you know you you want to make sure that you're you know up to date on that kind of stuff because that that is just as important other thing and this is this is a very simple Simple, simple, simple thing. Um, leave places cleaner than when you left them. It doesn't, it's not hard to pick to like not litter. It's not hard to, you know, not let trash sit around. If you see an empty beer can, pick it up and throw it in your pack. Like just you know, do your part to help. And I realize that some of, the, some of these places, you know, they get trashed a lot. We had several canoe places in Kentucky get shut down by landowners where there was access and because people can't clean up their stuff. And is it the outdoors people? Um, I would venture to say not. I think it was probably more cabrewers like thinking it's funny to dump, you know, a 30 pack of stones on the, you know, the launch ramp. And, you know, you don't, that, that stuff doesn't bode well for, you know, others who are trying to utilize that land agreed i always wonder we used to hike over at east fork there and um put our packs on and everything and do like five Mm -hmm. six miles to get ready for elk season and uh there'd be just the weirdest trash way the heck back in there and i always thought to myself like let me be here when somebody dumps their whole 12 pack of cans out or so, you know, like mm-hmm. why, why do that? It's not that bad to carry it back. I mean, it's laziness like that. I mean, that that's, that's the only word Disregard that I can for think. nature. And I mean, I, I, I don't even think it's that sometimes like people, people don't think that far ahead. Like it's just laziness. It's like, no one's going to come back here. I'm just going to leave it here. But you know, there's there's plenty of places that you can just take a bag with you and throw it all in there and then throw it in the trash can on the way out. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's very, very, very simple to do. And it is one of the things that just like, you know, irritates me to no end is that when you're going somewhere and you've walked in and you look down and there's a beer bottle, there's a cigarette pack. Um, hunters pick your shells up. It's not hard. Like I, I shot six times at a Turkey and I found all six of my shell casings. You found all six. I found all six. You sir deserve a hug or something. Cause (laughs) I I was getting ready to say, I try to pick my hauls up. And if I were to shoot five hauls, I'd find two or three of them. Like 
if we're talking all over, obviously, if you shoot from the same spot, mm-hmm. if you find one, you're going to generally find them all, but um, won't have to worry about that so much this year as we are rocking a 410 single shot. Um, nice. That'll be, that'll be a good way to keep track of my hauls. <laughs> well, and it, it's important on private land too. I know like, oh, I, God, yeah. I mean, you go to a guy's home or a woman's property and you're asking to hunt. Um, uh, and especially a, a, a lot of that hunting is typically starts with a small game. You're shooting at squirrels and rabbits. They don't want holes all over their farmland. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, I've been on property where guys have, like literal junkyards on their property and they're like pick up your shells like yes sir so that that leads us kind of to the next thing is mm-hmm. private land stuff the big ones that i can think of for private land are <laughs> if they have a gate keep it shut oh yeah if they got it shut um pick your pick your shells up and if the landowner wants you hunting a specific way do not hunt a different way other than what the landowner wants you to do. Otherwise yep. you will lose permission to that property. Yeah. And I'll go, you know, I'll kind of hit on something. So first off, that's where I sort of reverse a little bit. So when it comes to a tree stand on private land, if I have been hunting there for 20 years and a guy shows mm-hmm. up, you know, this year and my tree stands there, which I never have to worry about that though. Cause I'm a, a mobile guy. I literally never run into that. So uh, if a guy has his tree stand somewhere though, I'm certainly not going to sit in it mm-hmm. and I'm going to try my best not to sit on top of it. Now, sometimes that can be tricky. Cause if you're in a long skinny property or mm-hmm. you know, it's not mm-hmm. very big, then you're kind of screwed on that deal. But if there's any kind of size to the property, I just go the other way. But, uh, you know, if, if a guy, let's say was hunting somewhere for X amount of years and I'm the new guy, I'm going to stay away from him anyway and just leave. Exactly. Generally I do that anyways though. So, and then the other thing is, um, cause I'm very different from a lot of folks. So setting up on property lines, I hear all the time about how upset somebody is that somebody put a blind or a tree stand near a property line. Mm-hmm. And I, I come back with that. Well, how did you know? Well, I was in my stay on the property line <laughs> and I'm like, well, aren't you on the property line too? You know, like maybe that's where the deer or the turkeys or whatever like to be. And it's just, mm-hmm. that's how it is. But um, if they're on the correct property, then there's zero you, issues. Zero you can do about it. I hunted, I used to hunt a farm in, uh, Pendleton County, Kentucky. And the guy who owned the farm next to it every year. And I mean, God bless him. Like the guy like had his daughter every year. She killed an extremely nice buck every year. He dumped 900 pounds of corn in the edge of his field. Those deer would summer there and he would, he'd set up on the property line and he knew every time 
those deer were going to come over from the property that I was on because there was shelter there. They were going to walk into his pasture and he was going to arrow a deer like every single time. Like, I watched that guy kill four deer that I had on camera like within the course of two years because he uh, his brother killed one. He killed a real nice one. His daughter killed one. And then a guy from Georgia came up and killed one off of his property. And like all four of these, you know, I mean, 130, 140 class deer, all very, very nice deer. Nice. Um, and he, like I could, you can't say anything. And you'd look at him and he, like, he'd say, Where'd he kill? Well, you know, I killed it down near the property line. I'm like, I bet you did. Um, <laughs> Um, and then that that's that's part of the risk reward of hunting those areas. Uh, I hunt an area over by me where I hunt a property line and I know that the deer filter in there, but I know that if they don't come across the line, I'm I'm SOL like it's it's yep. not going to happen. And I think that that is part of the risk that you take with that kind of stuff. The property that I also hunt over there, I don't hunt the backside of it because the guy's uh, cousin like hunts over there and i i don't touch it because it was kind of a conversation like well i don't know when he's gonna hunt but he might he's like so i'd prefer for you not to go back there it's like okay i i I don't go back to that area i would really like to but i'm not going to because i like having permission at a place it's it's important as people kind of expand their horizons and they get into this kind of stuff that you understand these things because you go to a hunter safety course they're going to teach you all the wonderful things about being able to get out there. They're going to help you do your range day. They're going to help you understand all the laws as best as they can. They are not going to help you understand the minutia of hunting on public land or private land and understanding rules and regs surrounding that because it's a lot like um, baseball just started. So uh, baseball has an unwritten rule book. Like you just don't do things like if you're running by somebody and it's like an infield fly, you don't scream at them to try to get them to drop the ball. Um, you don't um, like there's, there's just, there's just things you don't do. And there's nobody tells you these things. You learn these things over time. You know, our hope in talking about this stuff is that it gets out to some ears that haven't necessarily heard these things or people who have been doing these things and they kind of rethink of how they're going about it because you are, you are going to have an ability to teach somebody at some point and you want to teach them the right way. Yep. I agree, man. Um, let's see. So we've covered public land. Ooh, tell me about etiquette on the water. So, how do I want to start this? Is it bad etiquette if me and Will are blasting trout in front of the guides and their customers <laughs> who are not? <laughs> no, it's not because you were on the water first. You knew what you know what fly to throw, um, and and especially in a fly fishing situation or the way you guys were fishing, um, it is not uncommon to have lines of people pounding the same area on a bank, but you damn well better not bank hop somebody. That is number one thing that I can't stand. (laughs) And I'm sorry for any of you who are listening. That is called pay laking in my mind. And I can't stand that. 
when you say bank hopping, you're talking about basically going around somebody and cutting in front of them. Yep. In a boat. Yep. Right. In a boat. Okay. Um, you will see it. Uh, and I, I could be completely wrong and we could get yelled at by a lot of people about this. Uh, but every person I ever knew who went to a pay lake, they'd catch something and then everyone would like try to like nestle their way into that area. And like, <laughs> as soon as that guy like unhooked fish, it's like you've lost your spot. Cause some guy has thrown his bobber out there and smells like chicken livers, but on, on a lake, there is nothing to me that describes poor etiquette. And I'm sorry if you're a guide and I, and you, and you do this because it has happened to me on lakes where guides will jump and I realize it is your livelihood, but it irritates me to no end when I am fishing in an area and someone goes around me, hops the bank 50 feet down um, because they want to hit a piece of brush before I get to it. Right. And some people say, well, you know, he's just being an opportunist or they're just doing what like they know how to do. It's like, no, sorry, that that that's not how it works. I mean, to me, that is the equivalent of walking through someone's spread and shooting the turkey that's like coming into there. Like, that I'll go ahead and say, uh, I'm not sorry if it's your livelihood, because it's my livelihood, too. Mm-hmm. That's literally our passion. We invest more in that than, you know, aside from families, you've invested more time in fishing than probably anything you have in your life. Yep. So well, that's and, my and livelihood, too. And I'll point this out like there I, I've, I've mentioned his name on here before. There's a guy at Cumberland called Lance. His name yeah. is Lance Sasser. Dude is like as good as gold. Nice as can be took, takes his time out to teach you how to do stuff or tells you where to go. I mean, he, he, he will spot burn his own spots and still outfish you. Like the man's been on Kentucky field enough times. We'll show people how to do it and we'll still outfish you. It, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, we had a guide, uh, bank hop us one day striper fishing and he like my cousin was in the boat and he's like what's your what's your guide service he goes sasser's guide service i'm like he ain't last lance sasser you don't even look like it this dude looked nothing like lance but that that's the type of individual that to me is just like it's unscrupulous and i can't stand it um i have had it happen in tournaments um where we, you know, we talked about that greed situation last mm-hmm. week. I think people get in their head like, I want to catch the biggest fish. I need to get it so I win this tournament. Like that, that's just, that's crappy behavior. And I mean, to me, that that's the first thing you need to learn is if someone's fishing a spot, don't go fish it right now. You can go back later and fish it. Um, you know, that, that, that's reality. Fish are going to reposition whatever. Um, but there there have been plenty of times where I've seen guys do that kind of stuff where they will go in and they will, you know, hop a bank or something and then they'll set up. Um, we had it happen the fall this year. Some guys bank hopped us so they could crappie fish, like dropped anchor and everything. It's like, come on, man. Like you saw where we were going and like we're not even crappie fishing. And like this is what you're doing. Like, so let them get by there. Exactly. And All then, you got to do they, is wait wait five minutes and then we'll be we'll be by there now what is your length limit there like 
if I jump ahead of you 500 yards ahead, am I bank hopping? So here, here's the way that I kind of look at it. 500 yards, what, what is it? That's five football fields, right? Yeah. You're far enough ahead to me. Like you should be already over on the next point at that point. Like that, that's, that's not bank hopping to me. That's you going into the next cove above me. And you know what? If you round a point and there's nobody there, that's on you. But if you bank hop me 100, 200 yards, I, I've, I've got a serious issue with that. Um, okay. I, the bigger ones are the ones where you see guys do it like 50 yards in front. Oh, of dude, I get um, so pissed. It happened. It happened on Kentucky Lake during a, a BASS event, and the guy who was leading got bank hopped, and guy caught a five pound bass, and blew his top. Let this dude was leading the tournament at on day two, and left the lake. Wow! Left, left the lake. I mean, to me, that 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 is like bare minimum, you know, unwritten rule. <clears throat> Second one. I mentioned pleasure boats earlier, jet skis, that kind of stuff. I've been on plenty of lakes where guys are running wide open on a bass boat. Um, most guys will give you a wide enough clearance. If you're running a jet ski or if you're running a pleasure boat, give give some berth. Like don't don't be running, you know, just because I don't I don't think they have a vendetta against fishermen or anything like that. But don't be running, you know, 50 yards next to a boat. Like, go out farther. You know, if if I can oh, see, dude. like, if if, you, if you're running wake and it is, like, knocking me into the bank, like, there there's there's an issue there. Um, and and it, it gets bad on lakes in the summer. And that's how yep. people – that's how people end up getting hurt um, above all else. You know, that that is that is one of the biggest things that I try to tell people is that, you know, that, that is, that is basic etiquette. And if you are running high powered stuff on a lake, you know, be just mindful of what you're doing. And I've got plenty of friends out there who have real nice pleasure boats and they're wonderful and they're great. It's not how I enjoy. I like enjoying spending my time on the water, but they do more and more. You'll also see guys who have these big, slow running wake boats where they throw these huge wakes so guys can like wakeboard or surf or whatever behind it i get it it's fun don't do it when guys are sitting on a bank or you're trying to you know you you see somebody anchored or anything like that just give them a berth and i get like the wake's gonna come hit the side of the boat but when i'm you know 40 50 yards away and your wake is making the side of my boat look like it's going to go underwater that's an issue so you know we're getting to that season where people just need to be a little bit more mindful of that kind of stuff because lakes get packed real easily ohio doesn't have super huge lakes other than erie and you ain't going to do that up there um you know kentucky's got a few really big lakes and they get packed pretty pretty easily and pretty quickly so just just be mindful of that kind of stuff you know it would be a lot like you you mentioned the girl thing earlier i think of it as is like if you have a campsite and someone says oh nice campsite and they come in and then they go throw their sleeping bag down in their tent and they're like hey uh what what are we doing for dinner um 
hmm. you know, you're, you're coming in too close. Like, don't like there's a campsite right, right next door. Go over to that one. There's there's right. plenty of area for all of us to enjoy this stuff. And I know I sound like a curmudgeon old man with some of this stuff, but I feel like these are just like real basic things that everyone should try to respect when they're out on the water, especially so people don't get hurt. Stay out of my yard. <laughs> I just, I just aerated my yard. <laughs> Talking in that voice, the polka voice. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, I think those are some basic things. Now, there's, there's other ones that I tend to think of, and I think they're more personal for me. I think we've discussed this before. Just because a limit says you can have that many doesn't mean you need to take that many. That's sure. another that's another one that I feel like is a is is kind of a public private land thing. Like Kentucky, you're allowed four turkeys in the fall. Do you do you need four turkeys in the fall? I don't know. Maybe you do. But I'm not going to go to the same WMA and blow four, four birds off of it and ruin the hatch for the next year. Right. I mean, you're you're more than likely going to kill hen. Just because I know I can go catch 30 crappie uh, in an area does not mean I need to go keep 30 crappie every time I go out. Um, Stockers are a different situation. Um, Like trout uh, throughout the state, they stock those things. They want them to be caught like that. That's their purpose. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement fishing, you know, a lake, we'll call it, that we both mm-hmm. fish, uh, where you can keep perch and mm-hmm. all that. And like it had, it was teeming with walleye at one point. Yes, it was. Which uh, is amazing. Like mm-hmm. they had that opportunity and screwed it up. But uh, now you'll see somebody catch a walleye and they'll keep it. Yep. And you're like, hey, dum dum. You know, if we <laughs> let those go, we they could have more. more walleye. Yeah. And then, hear me out here, we could have a really nice walleye population again. Mm-hmm. But you can tell people keep them. I, we had one year where we caught all kinds of perch. And we caught, mm-hmm. I want to say four at right around that 12-inch range, which is yeah. really good. Really good size. Especially for, for a little lake in Ohio. And uh, not eerie, by the way. And um, I haven't caught a perch there in I don't know how long since. Dad caught one last year. Really? One. And it it was a good-sized perch, but it was one. I mean, he released it back. But, I mean, like, that that's a lake. Man, you want to talk about bucket biology. That's what that lake is. Um, Like, that, that, that that is the um poster child lake in ohio i feel like for bucket biology where explain bucket biology bucket biology is uh you don't have an actual biologist taking care of the lake you have someone who says this seems like a good idea and then they just kind of dump what they feel like they want in that lake so like someone says i want I don't know. Like go you have like your typical Ohio lake has like largemouth, crappie and bluegills in it. And cats. someone and some and cats. 
So let channel cats, let's say it that way. They, there's channel cats there. Someone says, you know what would make this lake really great? Blue cats. I'm going to dump a bunch of blue cats in here. And on top of that, you know, they're going to eat all of my bluegill up. So I need to put another forage species in here. So then they put in something else. Well, then what you end up having is different fish that were not there to begin with competing for other things. Um, and most of the time it's like someone goes and they dump just like a ton of them in there, it, like with, with no regard for like fish population or that kind of stuff. Or you have bluegills in red ear and then someone says, you know, what would be better a hybrid bluegill because they get bigger. Well, then they outcompete the bluegill for food. And guess what? You don't have in the lake as much anymore. You don't right. have as many bluegill or you get into the walleye situation at that same lake and too many people or uh, too many things outcompete the walleye for the forage species that are in that lake. So it's important to, to like note on that kind of stuff, just because you think that something might be a good idea does not necessarily mean it is a good idea. And all these things are normally done with like the best of intentions. So there's a lake in down here. That's off of the Mount Vernon exit. Uh, I forget the name of it, but a city runs it. It is the only lake. I want to say it's one of the like more Southern spaces where there's yellow perch and like, there's a bunch of them. Cause some guy nice. decided like, he's like, I want yellow perch. There, it is the only, I believe the only lake in Kentucky that has them. Wow. Uh, I, I could be completely wrong about that. But I, I've heard this lake talked about multiple times, and I, I, I can't remember the name of it. At the, I'm not trying to hide it. I just can't remember the name of it. Um, what do we catch? We catching ring perch? Uh, no. Yeah, I mean those are yellows. Oh, those are yellows. Yellows and whites. Yeah, in, in, okay. that, in, in that lake. Um, but I mean, yellow perch are typically a fish that you find in a very cold water environment, um, or deeper water. So like Erie, uh, they're they're typically a northern a northern fish. Uh, you see them in a lot of lakes in the northern states. And it's, you know, it's important to kind of remember that kind of stuff as you are um, going to these places. So that, I mean, that kind of brings me to like my last point. Again, I cannot hammer this home enough. Uh, if you go to, a, it's law here now. Um or it's in the regs, you'll get, you'll ticketed for it. Uh, you cannot take bait fish that wasn't, that you did not buy within like the surrounding area um, or you did not catch directly from the lake that you were fishing um, and take it to a different lake because of the spread of other species into the, some of these lakes that, you know, eventually um, overtook. So we have the Asian carp issue, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in the Midwest, wherever. And, um, you know, people thought they were shad and took them in and they were fishing with them. And lo and behold, they're Asian carp or silverheads or, you know, whatever they are, you know, that, that that's the type of stuff that people don't necessarily think of. So just, just kind of be aware of that type of etiquette as you are getting out this summer is just, I, I cannot hammer home enough. Follow the regs. You know, if, if you're, I had a, I had a teacher uh, in grad school who always said, he goes, if I'm behaving ethically, I'm not 
I don't have to worry about behaving lawfully because I'm always yeah. going to be following the law. He is yep. just behave ethically because you will not have any issues within your life. Agreed. Well, you got any concluders, Yanni? Man, um, we are basically meat eater, just so you guys are aware. <laughs> Rick said so. I, I did. I did uh, say I'm Ranella. <laughs> if anything solidified me as Giannis, it was their past episode in the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the podcast. Um, my my only concluders are, uh, and I didn't mention this last week, so I, I, shame on me. If you can get somebody out this year, take somebody out. I am taking a uh, friend of mine out turkey hunting this year for his first time. Um, I have no idea where I'm going to take him yet. But really, yeah, he he wants to go. Is this the dude you had on the podcast? No, no, it's not Vinny. This is uh, my buddy Andy. Uh, he okay. he uh, he again, waterfowl hunter guy. I don't know what oh. it is, um, but he he's deer hunted before, and he just he's never really gotten out and done it. And uh, I've been t- I've been telling him like I'm going to take you hunting. So I, you know we're going to go turkey hunting this year. I feel like it's a it'll be a good introduction for him into something cool and something new um my gun is sighted in so we've got you know i'm I'm really hoping and praying that we can at least get him out and find a bird so he can at least have that yeah some singular rush from us but get get somebody new out this year hunting or fishing and uh, allow them to experience the fun and doing it the right way and not not learning from some you know, God awful thought that, you know, you can do all these things. And then they wind up 10 years down the road thinking like, well, this was how I was taught. And that's how a lot of people learn is like, no, that, that, that's not how, how you do things. I think of like that. You like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, right? Uh, One of my favorite shows ever. So the episode where Mac and Charlie are like comparing Christmases and he's like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> you go into somebody's house and like you sit around, you open up all the presents. And then when they come down the stairs, you just grab the presents and you leave. And he's like, what? that was the greatest Christmas ever. And he's like, that's stealing. Like you stole those people's presents. I don't, I don't think that was Christmas, bro. I think that's <laughs> robbery. No, 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 no. You would go to their house and you would take the presents, but that was okay because they were taking your presents. <laughs> At your house, <laughs> we won't we won't talk about the Santas. <laughs> no, we will not. <laughs> the Santas. <laughs> but I mean, that that that's that's always my biggest thing is is get somebody out there new. Um, and for you all that are going out turkey hunting, uh, two weeks after that this podcast airs, be safe. Know where you're shooting. Don't wear red or blue. And make sure that when you're aiming at something, it's got a beard on it. Like, I don't care Absolutely. if it's, you know, you know, an inch long or a paintbrush dragging the ground. Make sure it's got a beard on it. Last thing you want to do is kill a hen. Uh, unless and we don't even we, we'll say this much while that's important to us. The biggest thing behind that is we don't want you to shoot somebody in the damn face. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we heard a story last year where these guys, these two buddies are walking through the woods. How these guys didn't die, I don't know. Yeah. 28 uh, yards, 28 yards, and they both get mowed down by a guy shot in the face. In the face. 
by a dude at 28 yards. Now, I don't know how you mistake human beings for turkeys at 28 yards. Nope. Or ever, really. But, I mean, laid them both down and somehow they live. I, the one dude said had, what was it? Had he used like a little heavier shot or something mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was literally like millimeters from penetrating his spinal column or something yep. crazy and yeah. uh, or his brain or whatever. So pretty crazy. Um, my concluder is going to be a little less deep okay. um, as uh, you know, normal. Um, Rick has set us up with a nice little way for people to support our podcast. Yes. And uh, I would like to ask, not to give everything you got or anything like that, but there's different options. I think there's a, what is there? A 99 cent a month option, yep. a four ninety nine, a nine ninety nine, and yep. probably more, but uh, even 99 cents, you know, if it costs us basically about 25 bucks a month to run the podcast, if we had 25 bucks coming in a month, that means that we can just do this podcast and just use our time and the money that we've invested into it, Mm -hmm. but we would have money to pay those bills. And, and that's why we have it there and to upgrade things and uh, maintain pieces, equipment, pieces of equipment and all that. Um, But we've got some pretty exciting stuff we want to do for you guys, especially our, our loyal listeners. We love you all. Um, And and you want to hit on any details that I didn't, yeah sure so the link will be in our uh it's it's on it'll it'll be posted with this on the uh fueled by the outdoors page it will be posted on our instagram page in the bio you can also go directly to anchor.fm and type in slash uh fueled by the outdoors there's a piece there but uh, generally, it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, you can go on there. You basically just put in your credit card, and it is an automatic deduction uh, once a month. So, you know, for the cost of, you know, what you would, you know, pay for, you know, if you do ninety nine cents, you know, it's like a candy bar a month. If you do four ninety nine, that's like, you know, uh cheap lunch once a month and if 9.99 if you feel that generous that you you'd like to support us with that you know think of it as you're you know you're helping pay your dues and getting uh getting information out there for everybody to hear that you enjoy listening to and as always we always encourage people to share our podcast and stuff like that because as we grow the outdoor community grows and we could not do this we would not be doing this if people did not listen to this and we have a group of people who really do listen to this and I appreciate them. And if you ever found the uh, ability to donate a little bit uh, a month, it would be greatly appreciated because it would help, like Chris said, pay for some of the bills that we have, you know, just to kind of keep this running. And then we just have to worry about our time and being able to put it out there. So and uh, to make late, it better. Well, and to make it better. Yeah. Like you can buy better equipment and buy better editing stuff. Yep. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I, for this podcast, I use a free editing software and um, an old laptop and we, we basically 
uh, run this podcast pretty I, what I feel like is pretty bare bones. Um, yeah. And we we figured it all out on our own a year ago because we are well, we've officially been doing this for a year now. Yep. Not 52 happy episodes. Anniversary, honey. Yeah, happy, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it'll it'll be in the liner notes. Uh, if you click on the little uh, thing on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen, it will be in there and you just click it and it'll take you directly to that page. So, uh, yeah. If you can, great. If not, that's okay too. Hey, uh, where the hell are you eating lunch for four ninety nine? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Where did I, where did I eat the other day? You can get like a like a junior bacon cheeseburger and fries in a a water for like two bucks. So, like I said, a small lunch, a very small cheap lunch. Yeah, uh, uh, that's like an Alpo <laughs> lunch. <laughs> The it's, Walmart it's a pack brand of, dog. It's, it's a pack <laughs> of tuna and some crackers and pretty a, much and a package of crystal light. All right. Well, all right. Close us out, brother. Yeah, sure. Guys, it's been fueled by the outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert, and it has been fun talking to you all. And we hope to hear from you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. See you. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.